Ray Podcasting is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. And I'm Janet. How are you doing, Janet? Hi, Lucia. <laughs> Uh, it's going. I think we're on, what, day 45, more or less? <laughs> oh, has it been that long? Yeah, if yeah. you guys are listening, uh, we are in the midst of a pandemic right now. In case you haven't most heard. Of us are, most of us are locked up at home. Yeah. Now, we are recording this a little bit in advance, so hopefully by the time this airs, who knows? Maybe people will be allowed to go out a bit, but probably not. <laughs> true, true, because this will be airing July the 1st. Uh, June so the 1st. Who knows? Hopefully we'll be in a, a brighter place exactly. July the 1st. Let's hope for the best. Sorry, um, this comes out June the 1st. This one? Yes. Lucia, are you sure our listeners are going to like listen to us fight? Like, no, I'm going to cut this out for sure. <laughs> I'm so discombobulated because of the pandemic. Yeah, time is meaningless now. So then if this is airing June the 1st, then I think everyone will still be locked up. Yeah, most likely. (laughs) Okay. And so what have you been doing with your quarantine, Janet? Well, I have been learning to speak Portuguese. Which anyone who knows us or listens to us knows that we are both of Portuguese heritage. And I mean, I speak a little Portuguese, but I've been studying it now for almost two years. Mm-hmm. So I've had so much time. So I've really been focusing on that. That's great. Uh, and sharpening my Portuguese language skills. So hopefully they're getting better. One day, hopefully I'll be able to actually visit Portugal. And what else have I been doing? Just like a lot of reading, watching a lot of movies, of <laughs> course, and, you know, just sort of cleaning and, you know, doing things that I kind of put off for like the last five years that finally I have time to, to tackle. What about you? I don't know that I've been learning any new skills or anything, but I feel like doing little artsy craft type things has been really comforting. I've made lots of felt animals. (laughs) Felt animals? Yeah, just little, I'll have to show you a picture later, but like just little animals. I don't want to see that. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to see your felt zoo, thank you very much. Well, they're adorable, so you're missing out. And, um, and then I've also been drawing a lot, which I don't do much. I'm not very good at drawing, but I've just been feeling like drawing lately and it's been very fun and very comforting. Wow. That's nice. You know, it's funny that you mentioned drawing because I don't know if anyone other than you knows this, but I own a Ryan Gosling coloring book (laughs) and I'm not ashamed. To admit that. Nor should you be. 
like my secret. <laughs> so it's all coming out during the pandemic, um, mm-hmm. all the dirty secrets. So I've actually finally had time to sit down and just spend hours, mindless hours, listening to music and coloring in my Ryan Gosling coloring book. And let me tell you, it has done wonders for my mental health. That's great. And I've even shared some of the the masterpieces with Lucia over WhatsApp. And I don't know, Lucia, I think you need to tell people what your reaction was when you when you saw my artwork. Your coloring skills are unsurpassed. They are. <laughs> You're extremely creative. Um, I have to say, I love coloring, but I am very like, I don't know, not boring, but I just kind of like I have a Bob's Burgers coloring book and I only color the people in the clothing colors that they are supposed to wear. <laughs> like I don't really think outside the box, if you will. And the images that you sent me are just like dazzling displays of color. <laughs> and I always love the little touch of writing I love Janet somewhere on his person. <laughs> That's definitely oh, yeah. my favorite. <laughs> I give him all these tattoos. Each tattoo is usually something to do with how much he loves me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I have no problem keeping myself entertained. I really don't. Yeah, that's great. I'm just a, I'm a bundle of creativity <laughs> over here. So you mentioned you've been watching lots of movies. What is the best movie that you've watched since in quarantine? Well, Lucia, I'm glad you asked me this. Uh, So the best movie that I think I've watched during quarantine, I think there's actually three. I saw three really good ones. Always Be My Maybe, which was on Netflix. Mm -hmm. I think I messaged you about this because if anyone has not seen this yet, and even if you don't like romantic comedies, I would totally recommend Always Be My Maybe. It's on Netflix. Um, it's so good. It's just so funny. I really enjoyed it. And then I saw American Woman, which uh, is with Sienna Miller. Mm-hmm. How was that? And, oh, yeah, it was excellent. I mean, I'm always shouting about Sienna Miller and how much I love her, and I think she's so great, and I've recast her so many times. And if you have any doubt as to her level of talent, like, honestly, you have to watch this movie because she's excellent in it. Like, she really carries it, and she's awesome. And then, you know what? I saw another movie. It's with Shia LaBeouf, and it's called The Peanut Butter Falcon. (gasps) How was that? Oh, my God. Lucia, I hope you get the opportunity to see this movie because I think you'd really enjoy it. I think I would, too. I've heard of it. For our listeners as well, if you haven't watched uh, this movie, I would so, so recommend it. Um, it's really, it's heartwarming. It's really well done. And uh, I'm not usually a fan of Shia LaBeouf, but I thought he was very good in it. And it's just a, it is, it's a really nice story. I liked it. Very what cool. about you? What's the best movie you've seen during quarantine? Okay, so I'm going to name two. One is a classic that I had never gotten to and finally took the time to watch it, and that is Singing in the Rain. Nice. Yeah. 
It was, I mean, here's the thing. I was pretty sure I was going to love it. But yeah, I really, really loved it. It was so fun and vibrant. And I mean, I love musicals. And I now finally understand why so many people were comparing La La Land to Singing in the Rain when it came out. I think we live in a world where there's room for both of them because most of the comments I saw were complaining that La La Land was like Singing in the Rain. But to me, it felt like it was made by someone who loved Singing in the Rain, not someone who was like ripping it off or anything. But yeah, it was just an absolute delight to watch. And I will probably make it a pretty regular viewing now. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I can't believe you sat on that one for so long. Oh, Me too. I know. It's ridiculous. I have a lot of gaps like that, though. It's kind of weird. Uh, And then the second one is uh, more recent, and it's called Driveways. I had already seen it, but I wanted to rewatch it because of the passing of Brian Dennehy. This was one of his, yeah, this was one of his last films. And uh, he stars in it with Hong Chow, who's also an American woman. Um, Hong Chow, I do not know this man. Woman. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm pretty sure she's an American woman. I thought you called him he. I thought you said he's also in. I. I'm Hong Chow. If you're listening to this podcast, I apologize. I really doubt she's listening, but uh, that's good. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's sorry, it's I a. You said he. That's okay. That's okay. I think I said he about Brian Dennehy. He stars with Hong Chow, so it's a beautiful movie very quiet and understated but the performances are just amazing there's also a young boy in it I don't recall his name unfortunately but he's amazing as well and it's kind of sad uh it's a bit of a bummer here and there but overall it's just a really beautiful movie to watch and I'd highly recommend it if you get the chance how old is that movie one year it played at our festival in Calgary last September, so less than a year ago. Um, so it was like it hit the like the independent film. Yeah, actually, now that you festival. say that, I don't know. Like maybe it only did the festival circuit. I, I don't know if it got to the theatrical release point, but I'd have to check. I think it did, but I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, and what is the worst movie that you have watched during quarantine? Okay, well, I have probably mentioned it on this podcast before, but I'm a huge fan of the podcast, How Did This Get Made? So I watch a lot of bad movies. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so one that I watched recently, um, just last month, is called The Great Wall with Matt Damon. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It was bananas. Like I remember when it came out, I remember that it was getting panned by critics, but I didn't know anything about the film itself. And it turns out that it is a movie about alien creatures attacking the Great Wall of China. That's ridiculous. I couldn't believe my eyes when these flashy creatures came on screen. Like it is a really visually pretty movie if i if that makes any sense like the visuals are really really good the effects are interesting and like it's it's a treat for the eyes but it is just so stupid <laughs> wow I, I just, can we throw matt damon in the garbage yeah i don't hate him as much as most people but i'm also not i don't love him so i'm cool with it yeah let's throw him in the garbage 
I absolutely forgot about it, as everyone should. And it's one of those films where you expect maybe Will Ferrell and John C. Riley to star in it. Because <laughs> it's just one of those like really dumb comedies. But it has Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear, like Oscar-winning actors. What is happening? Yeah, that movie is it's a pile of shit. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. It really is. Kudos yeah. to you for trying to watch it. Okay. I've never seen it and never will. You might. You watch all these other bad movies. <laughs> That's you know, true. That one's in your future, I think. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Maybe. <laughs> well, what's the best worst movie you've watched while in quarantine? Okay. I really am excited to share this one with you. So the best worst movie that I saw was on Netflix as well. It was a rom-com, and it was just released over the Easter weekend in April. Mm-hmm. And it's called Love Wedding Repeat. Oh, yes. I remember you talking to me about this movie. Yeah, I mentioned this to you. Um, so it stars uh, Sam Claflin, who, like, I feel like everybody knows him from The Hunger Games. He oh. played Finnick in The Hunger Games. Okay. And he's done, like, a bunch of other movies. Uh, he was in Me Before You. Oh. And, yeah, he's done a lot of romantic sort of comedy films. Uh, well, romantic-ish films. And then Olivia Munn is in this as well. And it's funny because I had read so much hype about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I even actually read some good reviews for it. So I was like, oh, I'm going to check this out. This looks fun. And, uh, yeah, it was really bad. It's one of those movies that's, that's so bad that it's... <laughs> kind of good like who knows maybe it'll end up being a cult classic but it's really shitty and I think one of the main things that I found so disturbing about it was that like Sam Claflin is I think he's a handsome guy and they made him look so ugly in this movie and I don't know why I don't know if it's the lighting or like his haircut or I don't know what was happening but Sam Claflin looks so unattractive in this movie, and that felt so criminal because he's such a handsome guy. Is he the romantic <laughs> lead? Yes, he is. Yeah. Oh, weird. And they were comparing his performance to Hugh Grant, and I don't know. It's like one of those things where critics are always looking to sort of compare new artists to older artists. Sure. You know, I think Hugh Grant has his own place in the pantheon of romantic comedies, Mm -hmm. but that was my best worst movie. Okay. Well, to talk about another best worst movie, no, this one isn't that bad. (laughs) But uh, today we are recasting Jerry Maguire. It is from 1996, which is a 
long time ago. <laughs> yeah, 24 years. Yeah, it's pretty shocking. Almost a quarter of a century, this movie. Yeah, it, it's really hard to believe. And so this was a listener suggestion, right? Yes, it was. So this was a listener's pick, and this was my friend Kelly. And she recommended this movie because she really felt that the leads were completely miscast. But I also suspect that she has seen this movie several times because it's one of her husband's favorite movies, which, like, I'm totally judging him now. This is actually, <laughs> like, I borrowed the DVD from, from them oh, to okay. watch it. And so he actually owned this movie on DVD. He owns it and, I guess, bought it because he loved it so much. So I think one of the reasons that my friend also picked this is because she hates this movie. I suspect she's seen it several times, or she's, she's been forced to sit through it. But yeah, so we recast the leads in this. And it's funny when you said that it's hard to believe it, it's so old, mm -hmm. because I felt as I was watching it, because I mean, I had seen it initially when it came out 24 years ago, right? I remember going to the movie theater and watching it, but watching it now, it actually does feel that it's that old. Yeah. I don't, I personally don't feel that this is a movie that has aged very well. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I also saw it in the theaters um, and I actually watched it again for this podcast uh, from my VHS copy of it. <laughs> I did. I It was digitized, but I digitized all my VHS copies a few years ago. So I did own it. I did really like it when I went to see it in the theater. And uh, So you actually owned this movie as well? I did. Yeah, yeah. I Okay, so I'm going to go back a second. When we talked about Aloha a couple of months ago, that was a Cameron Crowe film. And I said in that episode... I thought I liked Cameron Crowe because I had Jerry Maguire. I had Almost Famous. Uh, I had Vanilla Sky. Like, I, I owned all these movies. I was a fan. Wow, shit, Lucia. Honestly, I must have been so traumatized that you told me that, that I blocked it from my memory. <laughs> I don't remember you saying that you were a Cameron Crowe aficionado. Well, that's going far. But I did like a lot of his films. And... Until I, I didn't mind Vanilla Sky when I saw it the first time. And I don't think I've seen it again since, maybe once. But uh, since then, I have not liked anything that he's done. And going back, apart from Almost Famous, which I do still like very much, I do feel like going back to his stuff, it doesn't really age well. Okay. Because <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's bubbling under the surface. Okay. Fight over this movie. Okay. So then let's move on to the box office numbers. Yes. Uh, so budget was fifty million, and box office it made a lot of money. Mm -hmm. A lot. Two hundred and seventy-four million. Wow. I remember when it came out. It was a commercial success and a critical success. Yes. Like even uh, going back and looking for bad reviews for this movie, I actually 
that the majority of the people who reviewed this movie at the time were middle-aged white men because that's who the movie reviewers were back then. Of course. I think we have a more diverse group of movie reviewers now, but back then, like in 1996, like that's who movie reviews were written by. It was mostly... I, there were no movie reviews written by women for this movie. I didn't find any. That makes sense. And especially going back now, like it's clearly written by a man. Clearly. Yeah, like it's... I just think it's indicative of the era that it was made, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this was Tom Cruise's fifth consecutive movie that made over $100 million at the box office. Wow. Yeah, which was a record at the time. I don't know if it still is. He had just come off of four huge hits before this. Um, he was a megastar. So I think it was really surprising and interesting choice uh, from your friend Kelly to want to recast this, in my opinion. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's interesting to me because I don't think this movie would have been as big a hit if it wasn't starring Tom Cruise. Mm, interesting. I think we might fight about that. Uh-oh. We always fight over the Tom Cruise movies. Rain Man was a pretty testy yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We got into a very heated discussion. And, you know, the other thing about this movie is uh, it was nominated for five Academy Awards. Except not Renee Zellweger, which kind of... I know you don't like her, but I like her, and I like her in this movie. It kind of bugs me that she was ignored. I knew that it had been nominated for... Because I knew Cuba Gooding Jr. had won the Oscar, but I didn't realize it was nominated for five Oscars. So, I mean, yeah, it was absolutely a success. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the synopsis that I wrote for this is a sports agent who doesn't understand intimacy gets fired after sharing a memo about eschewing greed in their industry. A much younger accountant from the company goes with him and falls for him way too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think uh, we can just go ahead and take our first break before we get into our recasting choices. So repodcasting is brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And there are tons of great podcasts on the Alberta Podcast Network that you should check out. One example is Eat More Barbecue. Ryan Sanderson promotes and fosters barbecue culture in Alberta with this weekly interview show about the barbecue life. And as Janet said before uh, we started recording, who doesn't love barbecue? So... Give it a listen along with all the other podcasts at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Okay, so Janet, would you like to start with the recast? Sure. So I'll start with Tom Cruise. Okay. And, you know, like the thing is, I understand that a lot of people, I mean, this movie that was so big commercially, critically, and I'm sure a lot of people can't imagine anyone else in the role of Jerry Maguire, right? Mm-hmm. But you know what? Watching it this time around, I found it interesting that Cameron Crowe, when he initially wrote this movie, he wrote it with Tom Hanks in mind. Yeah. That was really interesting to me. And by the time he finished writing it, uh, he felt that Tom Hanks was too old to play the part. Yeah. Now, he spent three and a half years writing it, which is a long time, but... 
three and a half years, like for a character to be the choice for it to outgrowing it. I don't know that that felt weird to me. I think that Cameron Crowe actually should have gone like with his gut instinct. And I think that he still should have cast not necessarily Tom Hanks, but I think someone who's going to write that kind of a mission statement. I find it hard to believe that someone who is young would write a mission statement like that. I kind of felt that it would come more from someone who is a little bit older, who perhaps has been in the business for a while, someone who is a little more seasoned in their career and is kind of at a point where like they're fed up or they've had it. And that's what spurns them to write a mission statement like that. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. That was my perspective on it. Yeah. Maybe I'm overthinking this. That was my instinct too. Before I rewatched it, actually, I had picked a bunch of people who were all older. Um, and then watching it, I kind of went the other way, but we'll get to that after. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because Tom Cruise was about 30, 31 years old when he was cast in this movie, right? So he's on the younger side of it, whereas Tom Hanks was pushing 40, right? Okay. And just in my opinion, the Jerry Maguire character would be closer to 40. Like, mm -hmm. he would be somebody who was kind of at a point in his career where he'd kind of, like, been doing this for a while and would be really reflective and look back and would write a mission statement like that. So that's kind of where I was coming from. So I wanted an actor who was, like, a bit older. Okay. And I also wanted somebody who... I wanted a name... Obviously, I wanted, like, somebody recognizable who would have, like, box office draw. I ended up going with Alec Baldwin oh. because, you know what? To me, Alec Baldwin is Jerry Maguire. <laughs> like, I don't think that would be much of a stretch for Alec Baldwin to play. It's funny because when I started going back, when I was looking at Alec Baldwin, 1995, 1996, mm -hmm. like I was looking at photos of him and I even watched an interview that he did on the Charlie Rose mm -hmm. show and I was watching it and I was like, oh my God, Alec Baldwin is Jerry Maguire. That's amazing. Like how did nobody see this? Because, you know, Alec Baldwin has like that charm, that charisma, like he embodies the essence of that character. When you think of Alec Baldwin, you think of somebody who is, like, really narcissistic, someone who's, like, hyper-masculine, right? Or at least that's the way I think of Alec Baldwin. Yeah. But... I don't think anyone's going to argue that with you, Janet. <laughs> but here's the thing. Alec Baldwin is also a very good actor, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I, I really think he is. And he has a very commanding screen presence. And, like, I think enough, he's versatile enough that he could have played like the more vulnerable elements of the Jerry Maguire character where no. we, you know, we start to see that evolution supposedly where, you know, he's going through like this, this evolution, this like mm -hmm. whatever, this metamorphosis, I don't know what you want to call it, but I think Alec Baldwin could hit those notes. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't know. I just I think he would have done a really good job. I think he would have been better than Tom Cruise, and I'm <laughs> I'm sure 
listening who actually enjoyed this movie and could never imagine anyone else playing this character. Yeah. But I think Alec Baldwin actually would have played it better than, than Tom Cruise, definitely. I now want to see pictures of Alec Baldwin in 1996. Oh my god. Well, for starters, I mean, Alec Baldwin is like a handsome older man because he's older now. He, I mean, Alec Baldwin's in his 60s now, but Alec Baldwin was like super good looking <laughs> in the 90s. Like, I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like, he definitely has like that charisma, that. Yeah. sex appeal yeah for sure he has it absolutely mm-hmm. 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 um and then the other character that we repassed is uh dorothy played by renee zellweger and yeah i mean like you said lucy it's no secret i'm not a huge fan of renee zellweger i just think she's overrated and i just find her boring and that's probably just my own personal opinion i have never understood why people think she's the shit. I don't particularly think she's very talented. I've never seen her in a movie and gone, oh, wow, like, Renee Zellweger blew me away. She just, she doesn't do it for me. So this character, I mean, we talked about this when we did our Aloha episode. I don't think that Cameron Crowe is particularly skilled at writing for female characters. Yep, couldn't agree more. Yeah, and especially the the female characters in this movie, I just was like super unimpressed. There is no character development whatsoever with the female characters in this movie. Like they are so one dimensional. They only exist in service of the male character. In this movie, I really kind of felt like, and I'm going to use this word not because I'm pro this word, but just because. That's the way the story was being told to us, Mm -hmm. essentially. So in this movie, it was like either the woman is like a slut or she's a good girl. Oh, okay. Like, I kind of felt that that's the way the two females in Jerry Maguire's life were presented. Okay. Avery, his fiance, there's almost that connotation that she's slutty because she's sexually assertive. Okay, yeah. As a quick note, like, I will never forget, I was dating someone when I first went to see this movie in 1996, and that was even a comment that the guy that I was dating made as well. About Avery? About Avery. Wow. Yeah, about Avery was, oh, yeah, like, wow, his fiance is such a slut. Like, because why? she enjoys sex? <laughs> because she enjoys having sex with her fiance. That Yikes. makes her a slut. But I feel like that's kind of the way it was, it's definitely presented to us in the narrative. Yeah. I kind of feel that that's where Cameron Crowe was going with it. And then we have Dorothy, who's like, oh, Dorothy's so sweet. And she's there to totally, completely, like, admire Jerry. And she's just, oh, she's the good girl. Mm -hmm. Right? So... That's kind of the way I felt we were being spoon-fed the story. Yeah. And again, that goes back to how I feel that this movie has not aged well at all, right? Yeah. Okay, but I'm getting off topic. (laughs) So, casting, uh, recasting Renee Zellweger. So, like I said, I find her boring. And you know what? Cameron Crowe likes his blonde female leads, right? We talked about this when we did 
Aloha. Yep. All his leads seemed to be blonde. So I didn't want a blonde, and I didn't want someone who was boring. Even though the character of Dorothy, I kind of feel like she's written that she's supposed to be dowdy and boring, and, and she's yes. not. Like, if anything, Dorothy is a single mother who is a career woman. She's raising a child on her own. If anything, she's the opposite. You know what I mean? Like, she's a strong yeah. female character who's doing it on her own. Yeah. And yet, like, she's presented as, like, this meek, like, almost boring person. And it's like, no. So I went with Jennifer Connelly. <gasps> I almost picked her. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. Like, she's actually about 10, 11 years older than Alec Baldwin. But I what? Think, yeah, she is. But you know what? Or actually, no, uh, more than that. Sorry, because he's in his 60s and she's like not even 50 yet. So maybe there's like, what, almost 15 years there or whatever? Okay. I can't do math. Um, but anyway, you know what? I feel like for this time period, like 1996, that age gap was perfectly acceptable between your male and, and female lead, right? Yeah. Like Hollywood still does that to this day. Well, yeah. Not so much, but they still do. But back then, nobody would have even blinked at that. So that would have ticked off that box, right? And also if just kind have... of the way that the characters are meant to be, I think that's okay. Like Dorothy is supposed to be in her 20s and missing out on, you know, partying because she's got a little kid to deal with. So, yeah, I, I think that's fine. Yeah. So, anyway, she's she's younger, but I've never actually seen Jennifer Connelly and Alec Baldwin in a movie together, so I thought that chemistry would be interesting to see as well. Hmm. I really like Jennifer Connelly. Like, I think she is one of the finest female actors out there. She's definitely one of the best criers in the business. <laughs> like, I feel like Jennifer Connelly is... Yeah, I, I like her a lot. I think she's really, yeah. really good. You know what? I loved her in that movie. She won the Oscar for it, A Beautiful Mind. Oh, yes. Yeah, with Russell Crowe. Uh, that's the other thing. I feel like Jennifer Connelly is very good at playing against alpha male characters or actors. But she's so skilled at drama, and she's such a strong actor, and I would have loved to have seen what she would have done with the Dorothy role. And I think, I don't know, I just, I think she would have brought, like, a, just a different sort of life to the character. I don't know that Dorothy is necessarily supposed to, I mean, the way she's written and even the way she was directed, I don't know if Dorothy is allowed to have more of a personality but I just I would have liked to have seen what Jennifer Connelly would have done with that role yeah I think that's fair and I think we're recasting it so we can give her more strength or life or whatever we're allowed to do that <laughs> yeah so that, those are my picks awesome okay so I did really like this movie when it came out and watching it again this weekend it's dated for sure. I liked it less. But I still, like, I didn't hate it. And I didn't think it was, like, terrible. Okay. And I did think that both Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger fit the roles. 
Um, really? Yeah, I really do. Okay. Okay. So I struggled with recasting them. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Initially, before I watched it again, I was picking older gentlemen. And then while watching it, I was like, no, okay, I, I don't think he needs to be older. I think it makes sense. Um, I totally understand why you chose to do that. But I also think that that kind of like epiphany could happen to anybody at any point. Like it could even happen to somebody who just gets into the business and thinks they're getting into a certain kind of industry and gets there and realizes that no, it's all greedy and whatever. So yeah, so I ended up picturing someone while watching it. And then when I went back and looked up his age in 1996, I was like, oh, he's a bit young for this, but now I can't picture anybody else. So I cast him anyway. (laughs) And that is Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) Yeah. So he was 27 at the time. So if you want, let's just pick whatever, 36 year old Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) And that's who's in this. But I, I really think that he has that kind of you know, swagger and arrogance, and he has that right attitude that fits the character very well. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know, just once I thought of him, I really couldn't think of anybody else who I liked better. He can be the 27-year-old Matthew McConaughey or 36-year-old Matthew McConaughey, however you want to picture it. <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing, it's an iconic, it is an iconic sort of character, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If he's not, he's close to it. I didn't see that. Like, I feel like shouting at him, overactor! <laughs> I think I might have at one point. Like, there's one um, scene where he's in the bathroom with, oh, yeah. uh, with Cuba Gooding Jr. Mm-hmm. And he's getting mad and he's like, help me to help you! And, <laughs> That's like fair. I hard yeah. to prove, like to show us that he's hyper masculine. It's like, okay, we get it. You're a tough guy. <laughs> I don't know. So I don't know if that's a Tom Cruise thing. Or, or if it's an overcompensation thing, maybe. Or if it's like, or if the, like, I don't feel like the character is supposed to be like that because the character is like a cocky, Yes, but it's a cocky jackass who has been put into a mode of desperation. And I think that's where that's coming from. I yeah, I agree with you that that scene, I, like, I totally agree with you that in that scene, it's it's a bit much. 
not just that scene, it's like other scenes as well. Like even that end scene where, you know, what's the line, you complete me or... Yeah. Or some bullshit, I don't know. And he, you know, and he's like delivering that monologue and, you know, he's got like that super intense look on his face and it's just like, oh, okay, we get it. You're so intense. That's so funny. Like, I don't know, it just always feels like he's overacting Mm -hmm. to me. That's always the way I feel about Tom Cruise. It's like this super intensity and it's just, it's like, oh, no. You know what's really great is that you talking about this right now is making me picture Matthew McConaughey doing those same things. And I think he would actually be better than Tom Cruise now that I think yeah, about it. Because, because you know what? Matthew McConaughey already, his personality is already kind of like that. Yeah. So for him, it would be just so organic. Yep. And, like, that's how I felt with Alec Baldwin as well. Like, yeah. that's just an element of personality I feel mm-hmm. so I don't know anyway well thank you now I feel like even better about my choice <laughs> yeah, um, I, like, I like Matthew McConaughey I think that's actually quite good awesome um, okay and so for the Dorothy Boyd character uh, like I said I liked Renee Zellweger in this I like her in everything I am one of the people who's like rooting for her and I do think that the character is a strong person and the one thing that I will say is that I don't think I saw that strength in Renee Zellweger until the scene where she breaks up with Jerry Maguire. Right. So I did want to put in somebody who I think could maybe portray that strength a little better. Uh, and I also, after our chat about Aloha and Cameron Crowe's penchant for blonde leading ladies, I also did not want to pick a blonde. <laughs> So I landed on Lauren Graham, who uh, was the star of Gilmore Girls and Parenthood. So I hate to like typecast her because she has played a single mom quite a bit on television. But I think she'd be so great. And she's she's a very she's very good at portraying strong women. And I think that she would have really brought such an interesting aspect to that character. Zellweger's breakout role because before she did this movie she was basically an unknown right and I think they chose her like that was definitely on purpose because this is like a a Tom Cruise vehicle right Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise is the star right Um, well she had already been in Empire Records but yeah she wasn't like a star or a household name or anything no she definitely was not Lauren Graham like what was she doing in 1996 She was. I don't recall what she had already done at that point. Yeah, yeah. So then that would work for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I really like her too. I think she's a good actor. So. Yeah, she's good. I think she could, uh, I think she could take on a role like this. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish that this role was better. Yes. Better written. I wish it was better written. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I agree. I was really irritated. And to me, this wasn't Renee Zellweger's fault. It was the writing. I was really irritated that in that scene in the morning after they've slept together and he's in her house and she's talking to her sister and she thinks he's still asleep. They've gone out on one date and she's saying to her sister, I love him. 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 And it's like, get a grip, lady. Like, 
I don't know. It was really pissing me off. Yeah, but that's the way it was written, right? Yeah, exactly. But the writing yeah. was pissing me off. <laughs> yeah, the writing is... Yeah, because she comes across as, like, this... Like, almost like this weak woman who, you know, has low self-esteem mm -hmm. and, you know, it's almost like, do we respect this character? Yeah. I certainly don't. Like, watching <laughs> this movie, I certainly have no respect for Dorothy whatsoever. Like, she's literally, to me, it's like she's this person who has no identity of her own. Yeah. She's just following Jerry around, trying to help him with his success. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that has nothing to do with Renee Zellweger. That's just the way the character is written. Yeah. Um, so I found a boatload of uh, other actors who auditioned or were considered for both roles, probably because he had been writing it for three and a half years. So I'm not going to go through the entire list, but I do want to mention a couple that were interesting to me. So I read that Janine Garofalo had been offered the role of Dorothy. Really? On the condition that she lose weight. Oh. Yeah. So fuck Cameron Crowe. I don't know. I don't know if we've been explicit enough in how we feel about him. But uh, yeah. So she did, and then found out that it was given to Renee Zellweger. Yeah, because she's not blonde. Exactly. Cameron Crowe's a dirtbag. Agreed. Initially, I also read that Winona Ryder was linked to it uh, at a time when Tom Hanks was still linked to it. Right. And then they did do screen tests between Winona Ryder and Tom Cruise once he was on board. And Cameron Crowe said that they looked like brother and sister. So she was let go. Yeah, exactly. And then J-Lo at one point was considered, but her no. agent told her that the role wasn't right for her. And so she didn't take it. But you know what? I think her agent was right. That role isn't right for Jennifer oh, Lopez. Yeah, so right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was Jennifer Connelly was considered for Avery. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I could. I think she could do it. Really? Yeah. But see, now, why was she considered for Avery? Because, because she's, she's... brunette? Yes. And she's considered slutty? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just this whole way of thinking is so warped. I know. And it makes me so... Like, I want to flip a table. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me feel violent. Yeah. I do have to uh, say, going back and looking at... Cameron Crowe's stuff, like, I definitely cannot call myself a fan of his anymore. <laughs> mm -mm. No, no, no. Continue. Who else? Um, well, there was one that I had considered as well, and then I saw her in the list, is Parker Posey. Oh, I can't see her at all doing that. <laughs> no, no. All right. I couldn't. Yeah, no. She's, no, I couldn't see her doing it. I saw Brittany. 
Bridget Fonda as well. I saw her name somewhere. Yes. Mm-hmm. For Dorothy. Yeah, and then someone else who I thought of as well briefly, who I ended up seeing that she had been considered, was Molly Ringwald. But yeah, that's all I'm going to mention, because th- there really are a ton of both, so. Sure, and what about for the Tom Cruise character? Well, the weirdest, w- oh, actually, Alec Baldwin, at one point. Really? See, I never saw his name anywhere. Yeah, I uh, I okay. saw it on IMDb, and the weirdest one I saw was Tim Allen. Oh my god. Can you imagine? That movie would have flopped. Yeah, you know who I almost cast? You know who was like, it was between Alec Baldwin and this person? If I had gone with a younger actor, like more in the like in the direction that they went with Tom Cruise, okay. like picking someone who was younger, I was actually going to pick Robert Downey Jr. Oh yeah, you know what? As much as I dislike him, he'd be perfect for it. Oh yeah, Robert Downey Jr. would have been perfect. Yeah. In this role, but again, I wanted an actor who was. A little bit older. That's why I went with mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin. But if I had gone the other way, no question, Robert Downey Jr. My first choice uh, when I was thinking of someone older as well was Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, sorry, go on, sorry. Actually, I was just going to move us along to the next segment, so go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Um, the uh, other thing I wanted to mention was, can we give... Jerry O'Connell a shout out. Yeah. Jerry O'Connell plays Kush. (laughs) (laughs) And I just want to say that I don't understand why Jerry O'Connell didn't become a bigger thing after this movie. Yeah. Why? Like, it seems like he was poised. He was poised. He was on that brink Mm -hmm. of stardom and... What happened? Because it should have happened for him. Yeah, I agree. I think he's, yeah, we, we've talked about him quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I love Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. Okay, so the ratings on IMDb, this got 77% from 28 critics, which actually isn't that high. Like, I thought it was, you know, universally loved by critics. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it got an 83% from 82 reviewers. So, yeah. I still don't think it's a horrible movie. I think it has problems that could be fixed with some better writing. But it's not all bad. So you feel that there are elements of the movie that work? Yeah. Yeah. You don't? Well, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it's entertaining enough. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I just found myself really rolling my eyes (laughs) so many times throughout the movie. And it wasn't just, like, gender sort of stuff either. Like, for anyone who's, like, thinking that we're, you know, loudmouthed, opinionated feminists, right? Because I'm sure there's people thinking that. You know, I also didn't like the rampant sort of stereotype with Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character, for example. Okay. Because I felt that the way his character was written was a stereotype, in a sense. Like, Cameron Crowe was presenting some sort of stereotype of, or like almost even a caricature of how an African-American would behave. Like, I got that sense that that's where he was going with that character. I don't know. I just didn't... 
I didn't like the way that character was written. Okay. And, like, it's nothing against, I mean, Cuba Gooding Jr., he won an Oscar, and he does a great job. Mm -hmm. He was very good. But it's just, I felt like he was really sort of playing into, like, a stereotype, the way we often see, like, African-American characters portrayed. I don't know. I just didn't like it. Um, The other thing I didn't like was we're supposed to see, like, that redemption in the Jerry Maguire character, right? Mm -hmm. We're supposed to believe that he's, like, this evolution of Jerry Maguire, but I don't know. Like, I didn't really see that. I mean, he starts off... Okay, he starts off as like a corporate asshole, <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, he's just a self-employed asshole. Yeah, I agree. He's now married. Yeah, it's not earned. I totally agree with you. I don't because you were saying how um, the female characters are one-dimensional in this, but I think most of the characters are pretty one-dimensional in this. Oh yeah, like oh sorry, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm going to go back to the Rod Tidwell thing because I feel like I didn't articulate myself properly because there's even one part where Jerry, uh, he's talking to Rod Tidwell and he goes, I'm Mr. Black People. Yeah, I did not like that line. You know, and he like says stuff like that and it's like, it's like he's, you know, and he's saying it in a way like he's bragging to Rod Tidwell, like he's trying to get him as a client, right? Yeah. And it's just so crass. It is. You know what I mean? It is, it is. But isn't it supposed to be? Because at that point, he's just full of shit saying whatever he can to hold on to a client so that the other guy doesn't take him. Right. Yes, definitely. Like, I see your point. But if they made that movie today, they couldn't get away with writing a line like that. Agreed. And that's a good thing. (laughs) I am pro no more lines like that. Yeah. Bullshit. I don't know. I don't like it. Like it was stuff like that. It it was just oh, it was so cringy, and I was like, oh, I don't like this. Yeah. I don't like how this is making me feel. Yeah, yeah. It's not right. Yeah, yeah. So. I agree. Okay. Well, I forgot that I also want to give a shout out to Regina King, who I love her in everything I've seen her in. Like she's just always so good. And I, I thought she was very good as Mrs. Tidwell. What was it, Marcy? Yeah, it's true. And, you know, that's the other thing. When you really see Regina King, like, she has been working. She has been around for so long. And look at how long it's taken for Hollywood to recognize her work. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, she just won an Oscar, like, what, last year, the year before? Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's face it. I'm sorry. She's a better actor than Renee Zellweger. Yes, I will give you that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> oh, whatever. Renee Zellweger doesn't have half of Regina King's talent. <laughs> how far Renee Zellweger has gotten. You know what I mean? Well, like, but Renee Zellweger really has had like ups and downs. It hasn't been all up for her. Right, but she has two Oscars. Yes, yes, she does. Right? And Regina <laughs> King just won her won her first one Less. two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. Okay. Huge, huge shout out to Regina King. Yeah. Okay. So this episode is going crazy long, um, but we'll just take a quick break before we go to our last segment. This episode of Repodcasting is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. 
The Edmonton Community Foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on arts, philanthropy, green spaces, and sport and recreation. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. And now back to the show. Okay, and we're back, and it is time for our last segment, Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza. It's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. Yes. And so, Janet, since you went first with the recasting, do you want to go first with Tony? Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I gave him the lead role. Yeah, that's great. He's Tony Danza, and he deserves it. And yeah. Tony Danza could probably play this better than Tom Cruise did. <laughs> nice. I like it. I um, Initially, I was going to cast him, like, I wanted to cast him as an athlete, because he is, was. But I couldn't find the right role for that, so I cast him as Jerry O'Connell's dad, Cush's dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Age-wise, he's old enough to, you know, have been a young dad for Jerry O'Connell, and he could be also an ex-sports person wanting his son to go into the field as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. So, I went into this trepidatiously, and listening to your picks and talking out my picks, I think we both did actually improve the movie. Yeah, we improved the casting. Yes, sorry. As far as the rest of the Yeah, good job. <laughs> okay, and so for next month, Janet, do we have a movie? We do. I believe we're doing Spider-Man 3. Yes, we are. I am very excited to recast this. Wow. Have you seen this movie? I sure have. Oh, okay. Well, you know, we're going into... I feel like summer is always superhero season. Mm-hmm. So I think this will fit in Yeah, it's available on Netflix, so if you haven't seen it, or even if you have, give it a watch. Especially now in these times, it's nice to watch just some, like, silly fluff. Yeah, some light distraction, for sure. Exactly. So watch Spider-Man 3, recast along with us, and we'll see you next month. Thanks for joining me, Janet. Thanks, Lucia. Bye. Bye.